0: I'm David.
1: And I'm Lacey.
0: And this is Life on the DL. Our friends and family are constantly asking us for our advice and opinions, which of course we'd love to share.
1: And that inspired us to start this podcast, Life on the DL.
0: In today's episode, we're sharing our experience building our first home together from selecting a builder, the neighborhood, to seeing our vision come to fruition. Now that we've actually sold that house, that first house that we've built together, it feels like a perfect time to reflect on everything that we learned and the process that we went through as we now prepare to build our second home together. This reminds me of a really, I, I say funny story, but you may not think so, of <laughs> our contract signing. So we went to the builder, picked out um, the exact floor plan that we wanted prior to all the options and things like that. But getting into the contract.
1: Well, we originally just went there to look at this community. We had no intention whatsoever. least like I didn't have any intention on actually signing a contract that day.
0: Two hours, an hour and a half to two hours into this, we're probably um, a quarter of the way into the contract signing the weather just started getting super ominous, dark skies, and you get this eerie wind. And then our phones started going off with, like, what was it, like, tornado warnings? Mm-hmm. Um, there's hail. And then you, of course, being from the Midwest, have certain tornado experiences <laughs> that I feel like triggered some fears. I mean, I've, I've been in a tornado, but not, like, directly.
1: Yeah, so. it was really scary especially because this was a new community we were not in a house the model homes were still being built so we were in this like trailer shack that definitely would have been a scene from like twister we would have lifted right up off the ground and we would have been like gone with it
0: can we see the windows started rattling
1: <laughs> i don't think it was that crazy but it was brewing that's for sure
0: what was crazier was we, we finally finished signing and then the drive home. Like you could see the storm front and the, the tornado line or whatever you call that coming across. And it felt like we were driving right into the tornado.
1: That's because we were. We were literally driving into the storm. If you know anything about like the hill country area of Austin, Storms don't hit there. Something about the hills and the landscape, nothing really ever goes over there when it comes to bad storms and tornadoes. It always avoids it. So, at the time, we lived way further north. What is it, like 45 Mm minutes-ish north of there, which was right into where the storms typically hit, North Austin.
0: We were driving right up the... um Capital, Texas Highway. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Even looking for places to stop under a bridge because it looked like hail.
1: It started to hail, and I was freaking out because I had just got that car. I had a brand new car also. I think I got it two months before Um, mm -hmm. we signed this contract. So it was a brand new car that was about to get massive hail damage. I couldn't decide if I wanted David to hurry up and get home or pull over and wait it out.
0: Well, because you were also worried about our, our dog Milo being at home alone during a tornado.
1: I was so worried about him. That's why we kept driving.
0: But that was a very crazy first experience, signing the contract, getting into this, and then starting that whole build process. So today, we're going to cover that entire experience, what we learned from building that home from a few different perspectives, beginning with what we considered while we were selecting a builder.
1: Yeah, and we're just lucky that the entire build process did not go anything like that day of the signing. It was much less chaotic. It was very organized. And I think it was a pretty good experience overall with the build itself.
0: Yeah, definitely peaked at the tornado and went down
1: from there. (laughs) Yes. So I recommend starting with your builder first because they can make all the difference. Builders are not the same. They're not going to build your house in the same way, even though it seems like they will because the end goal is a completed house. But when it comes to the materials that they use to construct your home and the strategies such as using 4x4 or 4x6. The roof is already brought in, built in some cases, and some builders build your roof on top of your house. Now these are all things that we learned were different amongst builders as we were analyzing and, you know, assessing which one we were going to go with. And luckily, These are all things that you can easily spot when you're driving through communities that are under construction. Typically, the lots are clearly indicated which builder is building on that lot. And you can walk through those houses while they're under construction to get a feel for what you believe the quality is like. Aside from the construction of the home, The materials that they offer during the design process may also vary. So when you're going through and designing your house, you probably have a Pinterest board and a vision for how you want it to look. But let me just tell you, your builder is not guaranteed to offer that tile that you have in mind or that specific floor that you love. You know, every builder has their own design process and design center that you have to pick your choices from. That is, unless you go with a more custom builder or we went with a builder that was actually open to adding in certain things that they didn't carry. As long as we could provide the manufacturer information, they would source it for us. However, if you're building in in any traditional community, they typically won't allow you to do so. So now we've dug into the materials of the construction and how you design your house, and we're ready to build. Well, your build and your design process is also different, I'm here to say, because our experience with our first house was very streamlined, and our builder did everything in-house. They had their own Construction managers, project managers, they had their own design center, and everything was bundled together. Now, we're building our second home, and we discovered that this builder does everything separate. They outsource their design center. We have one person doing lighting, a different person doing our electricity, another person designing the whole house, and seemingly none of those people communicate with one another. So just be very mindful when you are assessing and comparing builders when it comes to those intricate details that you may not be thinking about in the very beginning. To wrap up your builders, the communication that you receive and the way you receive it and their frequency can vary as well. You may get weekly emails or you may get weekly calls. And from our experience, you may not get either. Some builders are not super consistent, while others are. In our first home, we had such an amazing experience. They really set the bar high for us, for all of our future homes as well. They were extremely engaged. We had weekly calls and frequent meetings on site with our project manager. And we also were lucky enough to work with the same project manager the entire time.
0: I have to say, our project manager seemed so knowledgeable about our specific home build, I know he was managing at least a dozen other homes being built at the same time. But whenever we met him and met with him to go over our home, which was on a weekly basis, Mm -hmm. even if we saw him on the side of the street driving by and we talk about something, he could rattle off every little detail of the home. Like it's the only home he was working on.
1: Yeah. He really had a passion for his trade or something because Our experience with him was amazing. He was so good at his job. I'm thoroughly impressed. The best project manager of any sort that I've probably ever worked with. And that's saying a lot if you know anything about my field. I work with a lot of project managers and I've been one before. So I like to compare the skill set of them very much. Since we're already talking about project management, a few other things that we need to Focus on, you know, I think project management is often overlooked, but it is such an asset to have on your side. Unfortunately, your construction of your house is seriously impacted by the quality of your project manager. Their attention to detail is going to be seen with the building of your home. So if you can, be really nice to them, you know, be friends with them early so that they feel obligated to do well on your house. And if they're not present, I'd say that's kind of a red flag. And that's something that we've witnessed in our house that we're currently building. We're in the last few homes that are in the neighborhood. So I think project management has kind of moved on from this community. So they're not as present as I would like them to do. And I'm having to do a lot of micromanaging, which is okay. We can fill the gap because that's something that we can do. And we have experience knowing what to look for and what seems off. But if it's your first time building a house, pay really close attention to your project manager and what they're doing and where they're at when it comes to their location. Are they working on site every day? Are they walking your home regularly? Or are they just letting your trades do whatever they please?
0: So once you've narrowed down which builder that you're going to go with, location. It's location, 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 where you want to build has to match with where that builder builds, because not all builders build in all areas in the communities that you're looking for.
1: Right. So the builder that we selected for our first home will only build in certain areas. And I know one thing they look at is flood zones, but I can't recall off the top of my head, but they have a whole list of criteria that they follow when looking at where they're going to build, even if it's a build on your own lot home. If they don't like where your lot is, they're not going to put a house there, which I think says a lot about the quality of their homes. So you may believe that you know the location that you would like to be in. I know that I did. I thought I knew really well this is where I wanted to be. But we recommend driving around the locations you're considering at different times of the day, different days of the week, and really getting a feel for the flow of traffic. It's also worthwhile to do a little bit of research ahead of time on any planned road construction or improvements. So David, we did know and were told that a light was coming in to our neighborhood.
0: And one was put up a few months after we moved in. But that said light that crossed our community with a major road, the only road in and out of that area, was not turned on for over a year after, I believe the light actually didn't turn on until three to four months before we moved out.
1: Yeah, I don't remember the exact timing, but it was so long to not have a the light there. And it made leaving our community so difficult. So not only with that, we also experienced allegedly planned construction to widen the entire road. And if we had done a little bit of digging, I know that we could have found that in the city records, but do your due diligence and make sure that you have a full understanding of any planned construction near your neighborhood, especially if you commute either to an office or you maybe take your kids to school every day we want to be sure that y'all are paying attention to things that are going to impact your day-to-day life.
0: In addition to the location, we'd suggest that you look at the community and the surrounding communities as well as the amenities and things like shopping areas and, and things that are within the vicinity of the location just to make sure that it matches or is at least a little aligned to your lifestyle. If you You're used to living, let's say, downtown Austin. Hill Country may not be the best area to live in if you're looking for that lifestyle. Because that will affect your overall quality of life for the years that you live there.
1: Mm -hmm. Another thing that is kind of controversial to talk about, but if you don't have kids, don't move into a neighborhood that has a ton of children in it. And there are communities out there that have a target audience of people that don't have kids, for example.
0: So once you pick your builder and location, (laughs) these are the things you want to think about next. A big deal is money, right? The price. When you drive by a community, you see a community saying they start in the 500s. But in reality, it may not be possible to find anything less than in the mid to high 600s. Because just like when you buy a car, the base price of a car is impossible to find because there's these mandatory upgrades that always come with it and such. So what's part of the price that is not listed or that you don't think about? Things like reserves, the lot premiums, different options for floor plans if you do move things around, and even something like the elevation, which is the style of the front of your home that you design. So for floor plans, we had or what we thought was a very good idea of what we wanted in a floor plan. Until we actually walked through the models and saw how they flowed. And we ended up going with a floor plan that we probably would not have picked just looking at it on paper.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: We did learn, and I've learned in the past as well, is in general, don't go with the largest or the smallest floor plans in the community. Try to find something in the middle or something that can serve your purpose, but maybe a little larger than what you need.
1: Right. And the reason that we are recommending that is because of the resale value. Um, If it's not a house that you're planning on reselling within the next 10 years or something, then that's obviously not something you're going to need to consider as much.
0: And then decide on your options very early on because these are the largest structural changes that can't be undone later on in the process. Things like a different sized bedroom or putting an office where a bedroom is or a larger outdoor living area. Um, these are large footprint-changing things that you have to decide on very early on. I think we decided on ours, like, right at contract signing. And they
1: actually made us. Yes. So it's not like we volunteered up that information. They told us we had to when we were signing the contracts. So something to be mindful of, too, that they may require that of you.
0: And then the big big thing for us was design. That is a piece of budget and what is part of the price that you don't see or even think of until you've built a home. Because sometimes that design, when we go into the design center and pick out all the things that we want, it could end up or did end up adding tens of thousands of dollars to the price of the home.
1: Yeah, it goes back to like when you're buying a car and they have sticker price and you know, not a car on that lot is going to be sold at that price. It has these additional features and functionality. They make it more expensive, but they bring you in with that sticker price. It's the same with houses. They advertise a certain price, but you can't actually move into a house for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't want carpet in your dining room? Hmm.
1: (laughs) It's so weird. will cost you. The stuff that they do is crazy. They know that you're going to make some type of adjustment to your design.
0: One part of the exterior design I definitely have to get behind is landscaping. Um, That's technically not part of design in most cases. It's part of almost like the options, but it's afterwards. But if you have the option to get your landscape done by the builder, because it will save much time, effort, pain later on.
1: Yeah, we're talking about that from a really simple standpoint, because, you know, landscaping isn't just flowers and mulch, okay? This includes the sod, which is the grass, if you're not familiar with that term, and the irrigation, like you mentioned. Some builders don't require that to be included, and it's actually an additional cost. Don't try to do it yourself. That's insanity.
0: Dozens of years ago when I built my first home, I I decided not to pay for the, I think it was maybe $10,000 to get the backyard landscaping done and it ended up ruining the drainage in my backyard because I took too long to do it because then it was going to cost me 20 some odd thousand dollars to get the backyard done with irrigation sod and everything Um, so definitely consider getting your landscape done during construction
1: as you're assessing and analyzing and comparing your different builders it is important to look at And maybe even ask them if landscaping is required to be added. At least simple landscaping like sod. Because we got into a really sticky situation in our home where it wasn't required for our neighbor. And it caused drainage issues. And long story short, we had to get our backyard regraded and re-sodded in multiple areas twice. Because our neighbor failed to put down the sod and appropriate erosion control that they agreed to upon closing. So even though HOA tried to take care of it, it wasn't until after we had these negative effects happen to our backyard. So we had to pay the price. Even though not literal, literally, our builder did end up covering the cost because it wasn't on us that they didn't hold up their end of the obligation. It was still something we had to go through and it was a really big deal because we have a dog who needed to go potty in the backyard multiple times every day and he wasn't able to do so for a period of time because it was just mud. It was terrible.
0: Now we get to the fun part. We finished the design, everything, picked everything we wanted, and now we get to build the house and watch it be built. So there's major phases, but we're going to just quickly cover the major areas of learning so that we had. The three primary areas that you need to pay attention to where we learned the most was number one, pre-foundation, number two, pre-drywall, and then number three, the Pre closing inspections. So before the foundation goes in, make sure you talk to your project manager and ensure all the decisions are made about anything that can impact the foundation itself. These could be very simple things, but where different plumbing may go, where floor outlets may go, because those are actually in and have to be wired into the foundation. But anything that could be moved that may not have been taken care of in design. You need to talk to your project manager and make sure all that is addressed before they do the pour. Because after that, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to change. Number two, pre-drywall. So everything that goes up in your frame, the studs, the electrical, plumbing, mechanical, take videos and pictures as much as you can. I wouldn't even pick a certain day or phase of area, we went in and we were taking pictures probably on a weekly basis. (laughs) But at least before the drywall goes up, take pictures and video of everything. So you know where those pipes are in the wall. You know where the electricals run. You know where specific wires are run for the HVAC and can use those in the future for when you're making opening up the wall for something or drilling into the wall. Make sure you're not drilling into a a sewer pipe, which we've done in the past. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I was about to bring that up. We have accidentally drilled into a pipe in the wall in an apartment we lived in. And we didn't know until water started coming out of the wall. Stinky water. It was not good. I mean, how would you know?
0: Then after all the drywall and finishes and flooring and cabinets and everything are in, you go through what they call the blue tape inspection And this is the final inspection that you go through. Find the little errors or big throughout the entire house before you can start the closing process. Not just yourself, but we recommend hiring an inspector that does this for a living to help you walk with you for that inspection so they can see and find things that you don't see.
1: Yeah, and when you're going through and doing the blue tape walk, get on your hands and knees. Crawl all over that house. Be crazy because this is your opportunity to request a ton of changes if they exist before you actually move in. And some of the things that we missed, I honestly can't believe we did. For example, there was a spacer left in the grout of a tile in our laundry room. How did we miss that? I have no idea. But they did come in and fix it. It just takes a lot longer when you request those warranty items after you close on your house. When you catch them in the blue tape block, they have a certain time period for which they have to have everything completed.
0: Which all have to be done before we close.
1: Yeah. Which is usually not that long after this Mm -hmm. walkthrough. Maybe a couple weeks. Usually
0: weeks, yes. Now, this... Like you mentioned, though, this is not the last time there is the warranty period.
1: Yeah, this isn't your end-all, be-all, last chance to fix anything. All reputable builders come with a warranty of at least a year.
0: If not two or more.
1: For one of the builders that we use, they offer up to a 10-year warranty. Now, of course, the different... Levels of warranty vary, so they'll cover the like cosmetic things and then like the structural things for different periods of time.
0: Now, within that warranty period, just know that it is a new house. It will settle, so things will crack, chip, break, come loose. You'll find things that you did not see in the blue tape, like the spacer, things not being aligned. Take note of it all. We have a shared note that we both would enter things into whenever we see things. So having a live document like that really helps to get it on paper so you don't forget about it. And then you can address those with the warranty representative for the builder. Just remember that you will notice many little things, maybe a few big things, but it's not a big deal. It's part of the build process, part of the home, which you can get addressed within that warranty period. So all of these things that we've learned, we are using and have already used during the design process and the current build process of our second home. Is there anything we missed? If you can think of anything or anything that you've been through, let us know at Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast networks with new episodes dropping every Tuesday.
0: We'd love to hear your questions at life on the Dl on Instagram or email us at life on the DL podcast at gmail.com.
1: Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on our new episodes. If you love today's show, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in.